Welcome back to the Manchester United podcast. For our very exciting launch, we've decided to spoil you with a two-parter. Hopefully, you've already listened to the first episode where Brian Robson gave us a tour of the Cliff training ground. This is the second half of that chat where we pulled up a physio table and all had a well-deserved sit-down in the old first-team dressing room. We'll be back at the end, but for now, here's Brian Robson, part two. Well, this is where all the banter happened. Lads telling stories, daft pranks going on. I can always remember uh, me, Stevie Coppel, Ray Wilkins went to a variety club, uh, Great Britain, function in um, Leeds. Ray decides he's had enough and he's a little bit tipsy. So the car that they'd put on for me, Steve and Ray, Ray said he's going outside to have a sleep. Uh, we walk out at the, when me and Steve are ready to go. Car's gone. And he went home in the car, so me and Steve had to get a taxi <laughs> back from Leeds. <laughs> so Ray had these really nice like loafer shoes uh, the next day at training. And I went to Billy, the lad who ran the building, uh, can you get me two six-inch nails and uh, a hammer? And I hammered both his shoes into the bench. Oh, that was so much better than what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to put a nail up his shoe. I know, I know. I wouldn't have injured my teammate like that. But his shoes weren't any good. (laughs) Okay, so the way we're set up is Robbo and I are now on a physio bench. And I guess we're in the half that would have been the reserves. Yeah. And Maisie and Helen are sat on the bench opposite us in what I guess was the first team half. In the corner, I've just spotted, is an old set of scales. Are those the ones you would use for your weekly weigh-ins? Monday weigh-ins, yeah. Yeah, the, and they actually do look like the, the originals. They do look like the originals. They look incredibly old. Incredibly. these benches that we're sitting on, maybe? The, no, the, these, these are, are the original. I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier there. I think they've been covered a few times. No, these, these look exactly the same as what they were 20 odd years ago. Same as the pine all around us. Yeah. Looks like it would have been, that would have been here when Sir Matt was here. Yeah, of course, yeah. This dressing room, walking into it, was like, take you back, you know, when I was 24, 25 year old. It's incredible, it's not, not changed. Even the bathroom, it's not changed one bit. Exactly the same tiles, same showers. Was this kind of your area or did the manager ever come in, do your changing room? Uh, the manager now and again would have a meeting in here yeah. because obviously 10 minutes before you're gonna go out training, all the lads would be, you know, getting the boots on. And so everybody would be more or less in here at that stage. And so it made it easy for the boss, rather than rounding everybody mm-hmm. up early on in the morning or mid-morning, just come in the dressing room and just say, nobody leave until a couple of the lads come down from the canteen because I just want a five-minute meeting before we go out training. I mean, he'd have quite a few meetings in the dressing room. And when he came in, was it silence? No, not really. It's just the gaffer's in and whenever he spoke, you know, everyone just mm-hmm. kind of shut up and listen to what he had to say then get out and and crack on with training. And stop putting nails in people's shoes. Yeah. Did he get you back for that? If he walked in when you'd have done that, what oh, would he have done? Did it get me back for it? He left me in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the wrong? Yeah. Uh, could you imagine my sh- the state of my shoes walking back from Leeds if I'd had no money on me? <laughs> if you'd have been caught doing something like that with the managers, either manager I or I would have laughed. Yeah. Ron Atkinson or... As Alex would laugh at that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as I paid for the damage yeah. and, the, and the nails. <laughs> did either of them change anything here in the transition between having Big Ron and then Sir Alex coming in? Did they have their own, I guess, ideas of how the facility should be set up? So did you notice that with the departure of Ron? And No, it was, it was very similar. 
because uh, I mean that wall was still in when Salix uh, was here, um, so he didn't change that. Uh, bathroom stayed exactly the same. Uh, so the bus didn't really change that much apart from the canteen. He just opened the canteen up that little bit more uh, to give people a bit more space. But other than that, yeah, you didn't really have room to change no. to change so much. Small. It's small. Surprisingly small. Okay, should we talk a little bit about your career on the pitch? We can do if we have to. <laughs> seems, seems like a waste not to I think, I'm sure we'll have you back on but there's so much to talk about it just seems while we're sat here there might be a few little gems you can tell us like, do you have any specific favourite moments for you? Well a few stand out so actually winning a trophy FA Cup uh, the first one first major trophy that I won um, in 83 that was a great moment scoring two goals winning 4-0 uh, so that stands out but for me, my favourite one-off was Rotterdam when we won the European Cup Winners' Cup against Barcelona, winning the game 2-1 against a great team like Barcelona. Uh, that was a special night, you know, on one-off winning. Uh, but my favourite of all time is the 92-93 winning the title, you know, because everybody kept saying, it, oh, it's 24 years, it's 25 years since we won the title. So on the 26th year, when you actually win that, and then I can always remember seeing Samat Busby's smiling face in, in the crowd. You know, so it was great that he was still alive when we actually achieved that. Mm -hmm. um, so those for me, uh, actually winning things was the, the, the great times in, in my career. Uh, but then the Barcelona one as well in 84 when we got beat 2-0 in Barcelona came back, won 3-0, scored a couple of goals. But for me, why that comes into it, because we didn't win anything that year, but why I mention that is because for me, it was the best atmosphere uh, I'd ever witnessed in Old Trafford and still is. That's pretty incredible, isn't mm -hmm. it? Do you know, going back to the 93 against Brighton? 83. 83, sorry. You had, and this is what I love about you, is that you are a team player. Is that you sat on two goals, you get a penalty, you got a chance to score an hat trick in a yeah, it would have been the first FA, one in thirty years. You know, and yet you said yeah. to Arnold, "I know." No, uh, Ray Ray Wilkins said to me, he says, "They go, Robo, get a hat trick," and I just went, "Cheers, Ray!" Like so, I got the ball, but then I threw it to Arnold because, for me, if we were one nil down, yeah, Arnold had never missed a penalty for the club, and so that's why I threw it to Arnold, saying, "No, you're the you're the penalty taker, so you take it." Uh, so that, that's why I turned down. I mean, it, it could have been okay for me because we were 3 0. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And I actually got brought down for the penalty yeah. as well. But it didn't really bother me because all I was interested in it's was winning. winning the FA Cup. And uh, that's yeah. why I threw the ball to Arnold. I read an interview the other day uh, with David Beckham. I know you mentioned him earlier because he used to clean your boots. And he was, he'd, been, uh, he'd won like a Man of the Year award or something. And he was asked about his career in total and about like what he's doing now and the different stages and four times in that interview he mentioned you by name as an inspiration for hard work for dedication for committing to something and for giving it your all no well it, it's always nice yeah you know for your teammates ex-teammates and that to talk highly of you but you know all i ever wanted to do was sort of work hard be a a, a footballer and uh, when people say well what do you want to be remembered for all I want fans and uh, teammates who I've played with to be remembered is just 
He was a real hard worker, but also had great ability. It's 30 years down the line, Brian, and people are still saying we need a Brian Robson. I think people clearly <laughs> do things like you hear that every single day, don't you? Um, but maybe those tips worked for David Beckham then, because look, he's mentioned you four times. Those boot cleaning tips obviously worked, didn't they? <laughs> oh, they certainly did. Uh, I tell you, what, I should have cleaned his boots, and then I, we could have reversed it, uh, and I could have been the superstar all around the world. <laughs> in, uh, in 2011, you came top of a pole for the club's greatest ever player. How do you process stuff like that? Yeah, well, I, I think it's because when when you look at there's a lot of players that died, you know, from the Busby Babes era, and then a lot of players that have played with me because I was here for 13 years. You know, some of the lads, even like Dave, I never played with, but I, like I'd played against. Um, and so people know you from that way. So uh, I was sort of like in that age group of where everybody more or less knew me, where some of the players didn't particularly have that. Um, and so that's why I'd sort of just nicked in front of George and Sir Bobby. So what you've done is deflect being named Manchester United's greatest ever player to being you played at the right time. No, yeah, I, I think it was. I, I mean, I, I mean George Best and Sir Bobby, I thought they'd win it, and that's why I voted for Duncan Edwards, uh, and I beat them by <laughs> one two, and I beat them by one one so vote in two. Vote. <laughs> so well done, Duncan. Please, please, uh, what about what about today's market? What would you be worth? I know it's hard to put a figure on yourself. Uh, David, like, I'm not really bothered could, could, about... Could you actually play in today's game? Absolutely, I know, I know no you, problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, because I'd be fit enough. You, your intelligence doesn't leave you as far as how to know how to play the game. Uh, you'd have to calm down on the tackling that's I mean. because that's the yeah. rules. But I, I wouldn't be really bothered about how much... Like uh, I would be in the transfer market, it's what I would do with six hundred grand a week. <laughs> that would be a problem. Be How drink. to spend that, it? That'd be some drink. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Captain Marvel come from? Uh, that was Sir Bobby Robson. Uh, we were playing Yugoslavia um, in Belgrade, and uh, we needed to beat Yugoslavia in the away game. I, I score an early goal, create the next goal, and we win 4-0 in uh, Belgrade, which was a great result. And anyway, I, like I got man of the match in all the papers and that. But Bobby Robson, in the press conference after the game, I went in with him. He's they're chatting about the game and everything and how well we played and how well I'd played. And then he said, well, what do you expect from Captain Marvel? And that's where it came from. And then all the media loved that because it was an easy headline for them. Um, and then it just stuck with me after that. What were you like as a captain? Um, I think I, I, I hope to think that the lads, well, I, I know that the lads think I was fair, but I was quite demanding. If I thought people were getting lazy or they ducked a challenge or a tackle, then I'd have a right go at them. And rightly so, because it's your living. Um, and you're trying to get the best out of your teammates. But if the lads did really well, then I'd encourage them and say, oh, that's, that's brilliant and all that, and applaud them and praise them on the pitch. You know, but then off the pitch, I always feel that I was quite uh, central to having bonding days where the lads went out three, four times in the season, uh, had a great time together. 
because then you talk about each other's family and all that sort mm -hmm. of thing. You have a laugh with each other and all that, rather than it being football all the time. So I think I was quite central in getting that organised and, you know, the lads enjoyed those days. How much do you think you influenced Roy Keane as a captain here? Yeah, I mean, I only uh, played with Roy for the one year, but Roy sort of took on board for me the way, not that he didn't, before he joined this club, but the way I trained, so the arguments we'd have on the train pitch or in the dressing room because he wanted better from each other. Uh, so I think Roy took that on board, but then he also took on board, you know, these days out where we, we'd all go out mm -hmm. for a day out and have a laugh outside of the environment of football. Uh, and Roy took that on board, you know, but Brucey, when he was captain just after me and then Eric, uh, Eric loved those days as well and so the club just took that on board and then when Roy uh, became captain and then the class of 92 came through even them they, they always enjoyed those bonding days mm -hmm. so I think it was an influence on Roy in that, in that way rather than being a player Maisie actually got a bit, little bit emotional sorry Maisie to bring that up but a few weeks ago we were talking to him about when he actually left do you ever look back at that time and get emotional thinking about it? Obviously, you were going on to be a player manager. It was an exciting time, wasn't it? But was there a part of you that just pulled out of the car park and cried? Like no, it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was disappointing um, because we'd won the title the year before. Then we won the double. The boss had built a really good team. He knew the young lads were coming through, and and so you you always want that little bit more. And I think I was 37 at that time, and I thought after winning the double and being part of that, I thought. He might just give me one more year, but I suppose everybody says yeah. that just one more year, just one more year. But I, I have got to remind everybody because I remind Sir Alex this all the time. So we won the double. I went to Borough, who finished 14th. We won the championship <laughs> uh, and the title, and United never won anything that year. That year. Coincidence? See, there's a few, there's a few people don't realise that. He has said that. He, one of the hardest things he's ever, he ever did in management was leaving you out of the FA Cup final squad. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, at the time, I was really disappointed, obviously, because I'd scored in the semi-final against Oldham. We'd won 4-0. And so I at least expected to be on the bench. How many was on the bench, then? I think it was only two, two. I think it was, Dave, yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he put Nicky Butt on the bench because he said that he wanted to... He, I got that knock on the door yeah. the night Clearly before the cup final. Yeah. And I went, I don't want, I was rooming with Brian McClare and I'm going, don't want this conversation because I know what's coming. Uh, so he walked into the room and he, he, he said he was going to leave me out. He said, uh, I, I was no good to him for next season where Nicky Butt was and he was going to put Butty on the bench for the experience. Right. Uh, so and was Chucky in there with you? Yeah. 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 So when that door shuts? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know how sick Chalky yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, to to be fair, you know Chalky didn't really say much because he knew how disappointed I was. But then you you go, water goes under the bridge and everything. And then being a manager myself and being to three cup finals, I know how difficult it is trying to be fair to all the boys. But you also have got it in your own mind that you want to win the cup final. So you select from that, um, you know. So I know it was a difficult decision for the manager, but I could see his point. It's last game of the season, uh, we were big favourites going in against Chelsea. 
and I was no good to him for the next season because I was going to Middlesbrough. Did you know already at that point that you would be going to Middlesbrough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd had a meeting sort of six games before the end of the season and I'd more or less made the decision that I was going to go to Middlesbrough as player-manager. I, I never had the pleasure of playing with you, but I played other games with you from then on in. Speaking to you know, likes of Snoz and Clayton and Butty Scolzi, playing at the cliff where we are now, in the younger days when you used to play these games and one of the lads would get done, they always used to say that, but Robbo would look after us. Uh, well, I think over the years people got to know that. Uh, if I the, think it was one where Sharpie and, was it Paul Stewart? Was Sh- it? Sharpie with Paul Stewart. That's Paul Stewart one. tried to top him when he played for Tottenham. Uh, and what happened there? But he, he hurt, well, he hurt him. Paul Stewart was carried off. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not too much. The FA might still try to turn around and try and find me now. But um, no, he topped uh, Sharpie, Sharpie, and so I decided that I'd top him because uh, Sharpie was just a young lad. It was the same with Giggsy at Sheffield. And did you, did you feel United. that was your, as a captain? Yeah, was I wasn't going to have anybody people bullying, bullying the, kids. the kids who were on my side in yeah. my team. Um, so. If, if they were going to play the game like that, then I would have to do back because I knew that Giggsy and Sharpie at that age yeah. couldn't, couldn't... Look after themselves, do, I think. Well, it, it's not look after themselves, Dave. You, you know the game. It's get them back, yeah. you, you know, because they, they didn't really know how to do because they're kids. Um, so what about your other, ch- other challenges, obviously? People going about Sooners being hard, McMahon being hard, Vinnie Jones. Who's the hardest? Uh, for me, Jimmy Case. Jimmy Case was really difficult to to get back. So he'd leave his foot Did on Did you always your, feel like you had to get him back? Or would yeah. you would you wait? <laughs> <Love> <laughs> would you wait to the next game and think, well, I've got you in another uh, four or five, uh, five no, games? I went, went in the memory bank. Yeah. Um, so if somebody had and really hurt your ankle or... Yeah, like, tried to do you. Caught, caught you quite because you, well. you brought your leg really three hurt. times, was it? Yeah, but that was right in the early days with West Brom. No, but did you ever think, I'll learn from that? Uh, nobody's going to top me, me again. again. Yeah, and so that's why I got a bit more evil on the pitch than what I was when I was a kid. Right. Because, like, I broke my leg three times, like, when I was 19 to 21. Was that naivety, like? Yeah. Just? Uh, yeah, just went for the ball. And, uh, I mean, the last one when I broke my ankle, which was, for me, probably the worst injury because it still affects me now, mm-hmm. where it's a bit sore. Um, but Dennis Stewart, he, he knows, he, he topped me when he was playing for Man City against West Brom. And he's the lad who done your ankle? He yeah, brought your ankle, he, right? Yeah, he But he knew me. what he was doing? Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. Did you get him back? No, nah, because he retired soon after that. <laughs> but I'm quite friendly with him now because he lives in Ale. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to Jimmy Case. still Kays. time to get him back. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy. J- Jimmy Case, he was really clever at getting you. But then Jimmy would just stay away from the ball. So you're trying to get him back and he'd not go anywhere near the ball if you were around him yeah. because he knew that you were going to try coming. and get him back. Uh, so he was so cute at it. But then it was funny because years after I'd finished uh, my career and Jimmy had finished his career, we were out doing a Man United Liverpool legend thing over in Dubai. And I, I went uh, with a few of the lads because I knew them from England camp. And so I was sitting with quite a few of the Liverpool boys and we're having a beer. And I, I, I went to Jimmy, I went, see you, you were so clever at 
like the way you did it and then you'd stay away from the ball and all but you know what it was do you know when i used to mouth that year and all that you never said anything he go robo have you seen that and that and he's got two big hearing aids in he says i was friggin' deaf <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Well, we've had a look around here, and there's so many photos of you up around the building, some great memories. But I'm just going to show you this one. Can't be more better photos of you than that, Brian. Uh, wow. This is Brian in his uh, yeah, what, what's half that and half kit of Middlesbrough. What's that going to do with my? I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> He's got his shorts on, his socks, and a suit on top. No, oh, well, you you know where that come about. The commercial manager. He he came up to me and he went when we were doing the press conference. I was joining Middlesbrough as player manager. He went, this would be great if you have a suit and jacket on, wear the shorts and all that. So half manager, half player. Yeah. And I went, really? And they went, yeah, we'd love you to do it. So I like, yeah. Did Sir Alex ever comment on that? I can imagine he would have something to say about that when he left. Yeah, not good. No. So, so many um, memories here. What, what would be your favorite memory, each of you, from being at the cliff? If you had to just pick one. Probably, and it's a funny one, Big Peter Schmeichel coming out of the bath and Nicky Butts um, just made a, made a pot of tea and he's uh, stirring the tea and Big Pete asks for, uh, go on, I'll have, a, I'll have a tea with one sugar. <laughs> um, but he's stirring it and Big Pete's uh, toweling himself down with his Ampton hanging out and hot spoon right on the end of it. And you can imagine this room, because obviously the partition had gone then, benches were still here and Big Pete's legging it around. These two benches chasing Butty with a little blister on the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny times. I know, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. On the but bench, it just, but no, it just sticks in that. my mind. That, this, just being on this bench, and there used to be a little table at the end of the bench. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Uh, it's got to be Giggsy again. Uh, we mentioned about his club car. And uh, anyway, when the boss had told him where to go out of his office, so there's this guy called Freddie Frost who had a garage just over the road and he used to do all repairs if the lads had had a little bump on the car or whatever and that and he helped all the lads out with the cars he had a bit of a scrap yard as well and so I said to Freddie whatever is still licensed I says but it's an old banger and it's a wreck of a car can you bring it onto the car park uh, when we're out training so if you bring it round at about 11 o'clock and so uh, anyway, he comes down. So we're going to uh, Giggsy. By the way, I had a word with the gaffer and we thought it was a bit unfair, like a couple of months ago that you didn't get a club car, but you've been in the first team squad all the time. You're in the first team dressing room. I've had a word with the gaffer and we've got your club car. <laughs> this car had no windscreen in. <laughs> it had about 20 dents in it. <laughs> Everything that went, there's the keys. <laughs> oh, that was well, have you enjoyed being down here today? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, fantastic about so many memories mm -hmm. so good it's crazy that just nothing has changed as you two say yeah. since your day it's been very eye-opening robo thank you so much thanks so um, thank you helen what have you learned today i've learned how small this place is it's yeah. been quite a surprise to me actually and i've just enjoyed really hearing the guys stories yeah um and someone's off 
off uh, microphone tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've uh, never to accept a cup of tea from Nicky Butt. Yeah. yeah. Okay, an important lesson we can all take with us. That. Yeah. Don't accept a car from Robbo. No. No, never accept <laughs> no. a car from Robbo. And don't park in the manager's space. No. <laughs> Lots of life lessons for yeah. us all. Thank you both so much, uh, particularly you, Brian. It's been really, really enjoyable yeah, hearing all great. the tales. Thank you. Thanks very much. Pleasure. So that was it, part two of the legendary Brian Robson. He has got so many stories. The highlight for me, though, is the destruction of that car for Ryan Giggs. <laughs> there's many more. There's many more. But that is a funny story. There, there's, it's packed with funny stories. And listening to him, knowing that he's a club legend, knowing that exactly what he's saying is the truth, and that actually went on, just just makes it even funny. I joined in 1994-95. Robbo left that season, so... Yeah, we never, we, our paths never crossed, but um, over the last 15, 20 years, you know, we've become uh, good friends. And uh, even now, the lads, you know, Butty Scolzi, Giggsy, Ben Thornley, Keith Gillespie, those lads, every single one of them looks up to Brian Robson. Because I don't really know about him because my dad would talk about him. But I don't, obviously, I don't remember like a lot about him from life. The funny thing is, though, you always hear people saying, Oh, he's going to be the new Brian Robson. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's it. We need a Brian Robson. So, you know, it doesn't matter the age, really, does no, it? it's true. Like, yeah. yeah, his name yeah. is just shorthand for phenomenal central midfielder, yeah. someone who's going to work really hard. Yeah, the best in the business. So, Helen, you're now with your third child. Um, obviously, you've got an absolutely busy lifestyle, international jet setter. Any stories to tell us? Well, international jet setter, funnily enough, I did want to go and watch some internationals. So I'm packing to go and watch Northern Ireland against Holland. Big, big game for us. As you say, I'm quite heavily pregnant. So I thought, well, this might be my last time to travel. So I'm going to take advantage before I have three kids mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to go anywhere ever again in my life. So I'm looking for my passport the day before. Bearing in mind, Johnny had gone to Holland on the Sunday. This was now Wednesday and I was flying on the Thursday. So I'm looking for my passport. So I texted Johnny. Johnny, have you seen my passport? Yes, I did. I seen it the other day when I was packing. And um, I threw it over the banister and the stairs. And I'm thinking, why would you throw it over the banister and the stairs? Like, my angry? <laughs> no, I think he was just probably trying to get rid of it. I don't know. What, I actually don't know what he was doing. Probably tidying in his mind. Right. Yeah. So I texted Johnny and I said, just check in your bag. No. Of course. No. Johnny took my passport to Holland. <laughs> and I was supposed to be flying the next day. By the way, this is half two, so it's too late to go and get an emergency passport. And I've got to go and pick the kids up from school in this time. So I thought, that's it. I'm not going. I'm not going to Holland. Big, massive game for Northern Ireland. Devastated. That's a great shot, by the way. Throw it over the balcony. It ended up in his bag. Yeah. Great shot. No, no, no. He, he thinks he threw it over the, oh, right. the banister. But really what he <laughs> did was put it back in his bag. <laughs> so I'm thinking, that's it. I'm not going to Holland. Like, gutted. Anyway. Obviously, Johnny was in a bit of a panic because I hadn't been very well the week before. So I think he thought this little, yeah. you know, give me a wee boost going to Holland, feeling better. So he got someone very, very kindly from the IFA to fly over at five o'clock to Manchester. Bearing in mind, he only found out at half two, he'd lost my passport. I've never seen him do anything so fast in his whole life. This guy flew um, from Amsterdam to Manchester with my passport Johnny's dad went and picked it up and then he flew back to Amsterdam again so I was able to go the next day oh what a superstar do you know what isn't that so lovely what a ledge but thankfully we did get there in the <laughs> end okay but I'm just having a lot of 
travel traumas recently, but hopefully that'll be the end of it because there won't be much more traveling after this. I love that. Yeah. Right, that's it. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. Hopefully that means you enjoyed this episode. If so, please leave us a review and remember to subscribe so that next week you get the new episode as soon as it comes out. You won't want to miss next week when we have a long sit down with Dimitar Berbatov. No spoilers, but it was absolutely phenomenal and we had to get the sensor bleep button at the ready for that one because boy does he swear. 